even like on an artistic level, I gave myself a hard time because I was like, really, you've never talked about your identity at all in any piece of your work. Like you're doing things because they are trendy and they're popular and you want to look pretty, but like you're not being substantial. And I think that that was like something that hit me really hard. I was like, but I've always wanted to be. I always like, I share so much of myself. Like how am I not being substantial in this? Because I put so much emphasis on an identity. Like the world already knows with living in America and being American is like, who cares? We all sort of like fall into these trends anyway, but I am much more concerned with and passionate about and interested in people's identities when they're like trying to enrich themselves with something that they, they were robbed from. Like yeah. we were literally robbed from knowing our own history. And so for me, that felt like so much more important, much better task to be concerned with and something that I wanted to emphasize all my projects. Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women who are living their dreams and paving the path for the next generation. I'm Brenda Hernandez Jaimes, and this is Ellas. Hola, welcome back to Ellas. I'm your host, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes, and I want to thank you once again for listening to Ellas. Ellas is a podcast, as you all very well know, where we amplify Latina voices and stories, the voices of Latina women who are living their professional dreams and opening the doors for the next generation and creating an impact through their work. And you know the goal of amplifying our voices is to remind you that you are not alone in this journey and that while these women are paving their path, you can do as well. And it provides this motivation and reminder that we are powerful and strong women that are going after what we desire and deserve. So thank you for always listening and supporting. And if you would like to, to supporting a yes, you can donate and buy us a cafecito at Buy Me a Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ellas, where you can donate at a one-time basis, starting at a dollar or more. And we have set up our first goals and we're really close to accomplishing that first goal. So if you want to help us reach it, I would be completely grateful for that. And of course, you don't have to donate to support. You can continue listening. You can leave a review, share your favorite episode to your amiga, follow us on Instagram, just let other Latinas like you know about ellas and about these amazing conversations. And I'm really honored to introduce our guest. Episode 63. I have really tried through epi since episode one to feature Latinas from the U.S., obviously, but from every different Latin American country. And I'm really happy that today's guest called me out that I still haven't had a guest from Nicaragua. And I'm glad she did call me out. And Ellas is all about doing better than what we're doing before. So for today's guest, Lili Soleil Correa Levitis is a photographer, professional photographer and model, makeup artist, and recent graduate from the University of California, Irvine, where she studied film and media with an emphasis on digital filmmaking. Lily is a Nicaraguan American multifaceted artist with a passion for her country's history, as well as expanding Nicaragua's reach in the art and film realm. Lily plans to debut her first ever documentary film, The Sun and Everything, next summer. The film is a letter of solidarity and a step toward healing from painful, familial, and historical wounds brought by the bloody end of the Somoza dictatorship in the early 1980s. A history filled with the loss of loved ones, political asylum, and democratic war efforts, which have been modeled across three generations of relatives. Lily refers to this project as a way to pave her own path as both an activist and an artist, a woman and a fighter and a descendant of long line of justice seekers. In the end, she hopes this film can fossilize a powerful movement in history and can offer her family an opportunity to heal from the pain of politics and power. So it is my greatest pleasure and honor to introduce Lily Soleil Correa Levitz. Hola, Lily. Hola, Brenda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful for this opportunity and to, to add to the culmination of all the episodes of these incredible women from all over and I hope that like through me you find more people from Central America and and more beautiful countries filled with Latina women so yes seriously I you know the, the reason why AES was started was to obviously amplify the diverse stories of Latinas and that not only includes 
obviously from Mexico, but from every Latin American country. And, you know, it's, I have to admit, you know, I have been failing a bit on that area, but it's, I always take pause. And when you, you know, called me out and said, let's have you on, I was like, of course, let's do this. I'm completely like open to going back to that same mission and reminding, hey, Bryn, you have to do better. And I'm super excited because for our listeners, like, obviously, you know that I bring on inspiring women who inspire me because I know it'll inspire you. So Lily, I followed her on Instagram. She did some photos with a previous guest, Cher Martinez. And I was like, oh, if Cher Martinez collaborated with Lily, she must be awesome. So of course, and then we got talking more. And I was just like awestruck, of course. And I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm really excited because you are paving your own path in film, in media, talking about important topics of Nicaragua that not only relates to the politics side and the arts, but it relates to your family. And those three aspects, I think, are very crucial in your history, in your story, in your voice. But before we go into that, I really want to know behind all these three important aspects and elements and while you've been paving your path, who is Lily behind all of this? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think many Latino women can probably relate to this sentiment, but I find difficulty answering the question because I place so much importance on my accomplishments. And I, sometimes I like blur the line between my accomplishments and who I am. But I guess if I, I were to describe myself as, I, I feel like a, a child learning to love herself again after a lot of years of giving myself a hard time. And in that process, it looks like, you know, being more liberated in every way and like allowing myself to be creative and make mistakes and do things out of order and just treat myself well. Um, but yeah, I think I I sometimes feel like I'm Hannah Montana, which is my favorite show growing up because um, I only had Disney Channel in Nicaragua. So I was like, I that was like my show. And I think about it now a lot when um, I realize like I have my American identity and then I have mm -hmm. my Nicaraguan identity. And especially I was in Nicaragua recently and I was like, wow, I like completely like refract into this like, different version of myself and like which one is more true I, I don't mm -hmm. know but that wrestling in between makes me like humanize myself so much more because I think like being in the United States you often like not only are you like working from a very individualistic point but at the same time you're like still have like a communal conscience where you're mm -hmm. like thinking about how your actions and the way that you like live your life every day affect other people and I find myself while I was in Nicaragua just like sort of being able to take a break from that and the expectations of like waking up every day and doing something mm -hmm. and that was like sort of hard to re reconcile but yeah I don't know I, I feel like I, I'm two different people or like a multitude of people and, and sometimes I feel like that's a bad thing and sometimes I feel like it's a good thing like I love that I can't settle for just like one way of being like I can't just be a model I can't just be a photographer I can't just be a student like I just want to be many things at once and sure that makes me perhaps not perfect that one thing but I would find that boring anyway so it's just the way that I am is somebody who cannot be boxed I yeah. guess and I can't even box myself so I love that I love I feel because you cannot allow to box yourself is because you are a creative, you are an artist and an, an artist doesn't box themselves in because that's when the creativity and inspiration gets cut off and there's no way to create and to voice what you're feeling and what you're seeing. And I love that you say you're, you're Hannah Montana because I feel like many Latinas and myself included have felt that way in one point or another. And I feel, you know, you're in your early twenties. I'm in my late, late twenties. I've been able to mold those Hannah Montana and I don't remember her name, but like, you know, for example, I feel what you're referring to is the Nicaraguan person 
in the American person, right? Having to combine this collective and individualistic side of you, and you're trying to mold and become into one person. And for me, it was a journey. And I feel like I'm almost there, but not quite. So I'm really interested, Lily, you right now, I feel because you feel you're Hannah Montana and Lily, did that result of you discovering that you needed to love yourself again, because you have separated yourself from these two people and also allowed yourself to expand and experiment with your voice and the different mediums that you can express yourself, but also reminding you have to love yourself and share that love that you have in these different mediums. I think it was one of those things where because of the approach I had moving back to the United States, well, I guess I should backtrack and say I was born in the United States. And when I was five years old, I left with my mom and my dad to Nicaragua, where they're both from. And I didn't anticipate to spend the majority of my young childhood in Nicaragua, but I did. And in it, there was a lot of like traumatizing family dynamics and situations that really stuck with me and affected me deeply, as does most people's childhoods. But I also added an interesting element of being separated from two parts of my family, too, because I do have family here in the United States and two older siblings. And so to not have grown up with them and then like regroup later in life as a part of like their responsibility as they took care of me when I was 11 and I literally flew back by myself and became their child in a way. It just added so many layers to like my story, which is cool now in hindsight. But at the time, it was a very like stressful, traumatizing thing to go through and also exciting because it meant that the possibilities were endless in a way. Mm -hmm. So I think in that process, I remember just shutting down. I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't do what I was doing. I couldn't like move on and leave my parents and leave everything I'd known for so long without in a way, like just blocking it out of existence. And so I remember like getting checked in on a lot, asking like, are you sure you're good? Like, this is a big like change. And I was just like, happy go lucky, like really like enjoying my time in America and like focusing on what I was told was like the reason I was here, which was to like set myself up for success. And so Mm -hmm. I was investing in my education and my extracurriculars. I was like having a good time and I think just as like any other teenager, I was like developing my own like experiences with trauma and relationships and friendships and loss and all these things. And so I think of that as like a split between like two people and suddenly the child I left of myself behind was not the same person that I am now. And so every time I've gone back to Nicaragua since has been this sort of reconciliation with myself of realizing that that version of me that lives in Nicaragua and like grew up and felt really alone is not the same version as me today and that perhaps the only version of me that could comfort her is who I am now and so I think it's sort of coming to terms with recognizing that in the best of scenarios I was able to separate that version of me and like protect myself from those feelings but as we can talk later on about my film this idea of like sort of uncovering that trauma is really important too and so I feel really passionate about that because I've thought this entire time that I I've been an open and willing person that I share things deeply with others and that for the most part I don't care what the like general consensus of my opinions or my thoughts and my experiences are because it's about sharing my truth and that's important to me. What I hadn't realized is that I was focusing on my American experiences and my Nicaraguan side and and maybe because it intimidated me or I felt like I didn't know enough to talk about it and all these things that you know go through your mind but I'd find myself like (laughs) like laughing at my situations in America because I thought wow, how I wish that those had been like the things I was worried about when I was little, but they weren't. I was worried about like really like serious things like 
was I going to eat? Were my parents going to stay together? Was I ever going to see my brothers again? These things that like really like scared me and felt really daunting and big and obviously emotional and, and thinking about like my issues here, which like just spoke for where I was and I am at right now. And so in some ways I judge myself like that way, like through that lens of like, okay, well, I'm really lucky to have the kind of problems I'm complaining about now versus the kind of problems that I suffered before. And in other ways, I try to give myself grace being like, well, but there's still problems and and like you deserve to be kind to yourself Mm -hmm. for whatever thing that you're going through. But I think it's a beautiful perspective to be able to like engage with the two as much as I can and find that like if there if there's a Venn diagram of the two Mm -hmm. sort of being in that middle of figuring out what what I care about I guess I am the center of the Venn diagram where I'm trying to get there if that makes sense and I love that you know you I think a lot of you know Latinos who are first gen or you know come to the U.S. at a very young age they feel they're not fully 100% allowed to talk about their experiences of being, you know, you, in your case, from Nicaragua, and you kind of Americanize yourself, but then later on, you realize, no, being Nicaraguan American is part of me, is part of my story, it's part of my voice. Let's reconnect. Let's call out and provide more representation, go deeper, see where the problem is laying in both Nicaragua and the U.S. And let's be part of that solution. Let's see how we can make more conversation, more examples of representation in media. And I think the first step was you to study film and media and then you actively going and kind of shedding that fear of you not being you know, 100% enough to talk about these topics because you are, I feel it's like you are enough, you know, like you are Nicaraguan American, you were, you know, raised there and you have still connections to it and you actively are reconnecting. I think for the, for a person who is not actively reconnecting, it's like, why are you even like talking? Because you're not even being part of the conversation or the community, but you are. And Lily, I want to, you know, go deeper on like, what was the, what was going through your mind when you were saying enough is enough. We need more representation and I want to be part of this. I want to talk about, you know, uh, restaurants here in California that, you know, sell Nicaraguan food, um, talk about, you know, essential movies in Nicaragua that unfortunately film industry hasn't grown to its potential due to the politics of it and obviously the corruption and the you know messiness that the U.S. has placed on it so let's I I just want to go deep on your mind and tell our listeners why you decided to make this connection and to be active in the solution yeah totally so I've always been an artsy kid I think my experience with film has always been from like a very naive yet childish curiosity or almost like confidence that I had something worth talking about. I remember like one button vlog camera that used to be around back in like the early 2000s, like maybe like 2008 or something, when my brothers had one. And I remember like I would borrow it and I would like vlog and like shows like iCarly like were very like big on me and like I remember just like thinking that like capturing things was really significant and so like I took that and I was like okay and then in school I like my first experience with film was through a program called Girls Camera Action by Carla Duarte she's amazing a Mexican-American documentary filmmaker and she came into my middle school in San Diego and was like I have something cool to share and so she was leading this domestic violence prevention program basically for young women to and it was really young girls to be in this program and be creative but also like learn sort of signs of what being in a domestic and abusive relationship looks like and I remember thinking to myself I'll go for the art but not so much for the other part <laughs> like I guess it'll be good to learn but like, I, I just didn't think that I was the kind of person that would go through that. And then, like, 
from years later, I really like stumbled upon experiences mm-hmm. like that and didn't realize I was in situations like those. And so it was really helpful in, in two cents. I feel like it grew my confidence as a person to not allow myself to be treated less than by others. And also gave me my first like experiences with like something like production. And so we were doing a lot of like claymation and like crafty arts to make a public service announcement about domestic violence abuse. And so it was really cool. We did it for like a couple of years. The program kept going and then I graduated or went on to high school and I still kept in touch with her. And then when I went to high school, my high school was broken up by like four different areas. Mm-hmm. So you could do like science or like, I don't even know, world business and other things. And then there was uh, digital media and design. And I was like, 100% I knew that that was what I wanted to do so I was like that's the one I pick and a lot of people would pick it because they thought that it was the one that you had to do the least work for so like we're gonna go with DMD because like then I don't have to like do that much and for me it was like a really exciting time I wanted to learn so much I was probably like very annoying to my teachers because I was like oh, you're not teaching us on premiere this is so like reductive like I want to like learn the industry standard because I want to be in that world one day and like we'd be like well we just we don't have the finance so I was like it's okay I'll teach myself it's fine (laughs) and like my brother being a designer and stuff I feel like I surrounded myself by a lot of like art and I I thought it was really important and I honestly didn't even think of it as like a pastime I just thought Mm -hmm. that that was like the way I was supposed to live like I just needed to be with art because like that's what felt right to me and so, yeah, I saw it through with school and I kept doing that. And in that process, I was also like on Instagram and stuff like that. I was really young, like 15, 14, 15. And I was like taking photos and nothing crazy until like maybe like halfway through high school that my brother's like gave me my first camera and um, I was doing like photography really seriously and people were paying me to like take pictures for them and at the time, I was like, whoa, $100, that's crazy. Like, for some family purchases, I would have done it for free. But it all, like, really set me up nicely to be able to, like, speak up for myself and to always, like, think of art as, like, not just only, like, a way of life, but, like, a way of, like, being able to keep myself afloat. Like, it was always a nice, like, extra streamline of things that I could, like, be able to, like, support myself with. Let's take a quick pause on today's inspiring conversation to share the wonderful news about our new podcasting services over at AS Media. It's time to amplify your voice through your own podcast. And here at AS Media, we help you create the impact by providing our end-to-end production services. Whether you're a leader in your industry, elevating your brand, or need to amplify your voice, our podcast production packages, one-on-one podcast manager service, effective podcast marketing services, and our podcast launch packages can help you pave your path. Don't wait any longer and start investing in your voice and head on over to aes-media.com slash services and book your free 15-minute discovery call with me to start amplifying your voice. Now, let's get back to the show. And so I graduated high school early at 17 and I went straight to community college right after down the street. And I was just like prepping myself for college. And at the time, college felt really daunting because everybody was always like, you know, by then you're supposed to know what you want to do so you can pick it before you get in. And And I know that that was like, maybe like the last big thing that my brothers like were like preparing me for. They were like, all right, like you're getting older, like go to college and then like we can feel good about how we left you. And I was like, okay. And so I think I was just very hesitant and insecure about myself and I just didn't take it seriously enough. And by, I don't know which means (laughs) UC Irvine accepted me under an English major but that was not my intention I was just like whatever's gonna get me through the door and then I'll pick and I've like balanced between like creative writing and journalism and like but I felt like film was perhaps the one that most closely aligned with everything that I liked it was like art and communication and journaling and history and all these things that I was passionate about and so when I went to UC Irvine I I was happy with what I was learning But I felt like there was so much emphasis on American culture of cinema and not so much the value of 
other countries and what they produce was specifically for me being Central American, being Nicaraguense, I was like, there's like literally almost nothing. Like, and I wanted to know why. And in the process, I found out why it was that I even gravitated towards film in the first place. And so in the years that I was in college, I was writing papers, like historical papers about just what I remembered of Nicaragua. And I was like looking into cinema, seeing if there was any cool blockbuster I could like relate to or something like having grown up in San Diego there was definitely like a lot of Mexican culture around me but obviously that's like not the same as like having somebody that you know that like you can relate to on a very Mm -hmm. specific level like Mm -hmm. yes I was like it was cool to be around people that spoke Spanish but it was never like unspoken that we were different and I felt like I was alienated because my experience was so unique and I didn't for the most part, never met somebody from Nicaragua that I could share that with. And so going to college almost even magnified that even more. And I was like, literally almost nobody. And that there wasn't really like any emphasis on changing that, like nobody cared. And so, yeah, so I was going through like my film classes and I was like, yeah, there's like, like these things are cool, but it doesn't like interest me as much as wanting to grow or understand why cinema in Nicaragua just hasn't been that important or big or significant and in the process I was learning cool facts like how a lot of like Mexican films are actually shot in Nicaragua because it's cheaper but it gives you like the same look or how there's just like a lot of media around shooting in Nicaragua but like as like a tourist perspective which is like very exhausting to like research because I was like oh literally every film that ever exists about Nicaragua is on some level about either like poverty or how it's this like whimsical place to go surfing or about like a group of tourists getting lost like literally that's one of the plot lines for one of the films I was like now I knew what what it felt like to like be in the situation and so like I was saying I was writing all the papers and I remembered some experiences that I had growing up because like kids are very intuitive mm-hmm. and I felt like I, I was a really good kid in the sense that I knew what was going on way ahead of when I should have and I I get told this a lot but I feel like I grew up really young because like my parents were very irresponsible so I found myself being sort of the adult in a lot of situations and so in that time like I was sort of piecing together the nuances of our family structure outside of just my parents and I. And I didn't realize how close like politics were embedded in our family history. So I had reached out during my college years to like many family members and I'd asked them questions about that time in my life and what it meant and who that person was that I thought ran for president or something. And they were like, oh yeah, that's true. And I was like, wait what <laughs> like yeah, I'm related to somebody who ran for president in Nicaragua and they're like yeah like that was your grandma's brother and I was like well that's really that's a lot closer in generation than I thought and like I was like suddenly I was fully absorbed in this and I found so much like happiness and learning more even though some of it was sad And I was like, wait, I think this is like so much of the reason that we're taught about things that often get suppressed or we don't want to talk about because they're ugly. But in reality, like as they often say in like history classes, if we don't talk about it, then they just repeat themselves. And I felt like in a way that was what was happening in Nicaragua that I was like, I had gone away and I decided I wasn't going to go back. And that for whatever reason, I was really hurt by everything that environment and I was blaming a country for something that it didn't do to me and that I associated that place with bad things when in reality I just maybe wasn't old enough to understand just Mm -hmm. how much I could benefit from knowing where I came from and and so all these things like really put things into perspective and I was learning so much about my family suddenly I felt I, I like stood taller knowing all these things and in the process sort of I guess rearranged me I I felt like the things that I cared about before in high school and stuff just weren't that important and Mm -hmm. that even like on an artistic level 
I gave myself a hard time because I was like, really, you've never talked about your identity at all in any piece of your work. Like you're doing things because they are trendy and they're popular and you want to look pretty, but like these aren't like substantial, like you're, you're not being substantial. And I think that that was like something that hit me really hard. I was like, but I've always wanted to be, I always like, mm-hmm. I share so much of myself, like how am I not being substantial? And it's like, because I've like put so much emphasis on an identity that there's like the world already knows what living in America and being American is like, who cares? Like we all sort of like fall into these trends anyway, but I am much more like concerned with and passionate about and interested in people's identities when they're like trying to enrich themselves with something that they got they were robbed from like we were literally robbed from knowing our own history and so for me that felt like so much more important like like a what much better task to be concerned with and something that I wanted to emphasize all my projects on and so I remember like going to office hours and talking to my professors and they're like here she goes like yeah I know you want to make this project about Nicaragua so what are you gonna do like explain your approach and I was like well you know I'm not I'm not gonna apologize for wanting to make it about Nicaragua you left an assignment open-ended I'm gonna take the opportunity to like at least teach you something you didn't know which is not something professors like to go through but I I just want to I guess I wanted to be a troublemaker in that sense and really like stir the pot and I was like I think I left my undergraduate experience realizing that if anything, what I should do, if not for me, then for representation for my country and to be somebody that somebody from Nicaragua can look up to. Because to me, that family history of people being involved in politics was something I could look up to. And even though I can't keep on trend with the ways in which they've defended others, I can find ways to fossilize that history, to talk about it, to teach my kids, to I don't know, teach people around me to live out that identity so that somebody can say that they knew somebody. And, you know, I think we don't give media enough credit for forming a lot of our opinions about things we've never even experienced. Like how many people like in the last two years have like compared a film to something that's happening in real life, even if they don't have any experience with that group of people or that specific situation, like we really like see film as like a way of looking at life Mm -hmm. and we often like are not equipped with the tools to really decipher what's true or not and so film can be used against us to Mm -hmm. form opinions that are negative about ourselves and so I think being a really like ethical and conscientious artist is super important and these are all things I wouldn't have realized had I never been like on the receiving end of like having a negative representation in media. Oh my gosh, I love this because, you know, you focusing your work on Nicaragua and currently on your upcoming film, The Sun and Everything, it really places, it's, I feel like it's not only for your family and yourself, but I think it's, it's true. It's about, it's also to that little boy or girl from Nicaragua that has felt robbed from their identity. That can be from family, from Americans, from society. And, you know, you releasing this for next year, it'll be just a reminder that they don't need to allow to have their identity be taken away and they can be empowered and learn more, right? And be fully, feel like they're 100% worthy of speaking into this identity and this voice. and. I want to go a little bit back now on you deciding and remembering your family history and how I think the pieces of this puzzle were presented to you and you took them and you placed them and you created this beautiful piece that, you know, not only connects to your family history, which is in politics and healing for them and for yourself. I think it also has allowed you to love yourself, to really go deeper on every facet as an artist, as a creative person, and also bringing that connection because the, in the title, The Sun and Everything, your middle name is 
soleil and it, you know that sol which is sun <laughs> connects with your family so there's a lot of pieces that you put together and it's i think a love letter to your family and to yourself and to other nicaraguans and i think it's beautiful and i just want to go deeper on the process of you producing this documentary and obviously being real with us because it's it's difficult it's difficult to create something first of all that's you have to give props to anyone who creates something because it's so difficult and time consuming but especially for you because you know you were here in california you went to nicaragua then you went back then you went back and it was like different exp- moments that you went were difficult in itself but you were able to still go through it able to still get what you needed but let's talk about experience and being truthful you know like for our listeners maybe they want to do their documentary but want to real viewpoint of how it is and not just like rainbow and sunshine yeah totally i can speak from experience that it's been a really daunting thing like even just writing you know my little snippet about myself like mm-hmm. saying that it'll be done next summer i'm over here like is it though like i haven't even like not that i haven't started but I, the editing process in itself for me is like a whole other beast like I typically when I'm making something is one very last minute like I feel like my best work is always very last minute because it's same here it's sort of yeah it removes that expectation of like well one if I give myself too much time then I think too hard about it but two I think it just gives the most like raw and honest truth and I present it in a way that is quick and and concise and if I have too much time then I just like think about too many words to put with it and so that's all to say that it's been up and down (laughs) and I think at the beginning of the process I didn't even realize that it was supposed to be a film so in 2018 there was an uprising in Nicaragua these protests were related to a social security reform Mm -hmm. Uh, where basically people that were retiring were going to get less benefits in exchange for working more. And that doesn't make sense to anybody. It felt like a clear overreach of a greedy government. And so these elders and, well, as um, many Latin family structures work, it's like you live with your elders usually and you have big families. And so I think the culture around the problem was that everybody this affected everyone because sometimes like retirement benefits are what is like sustaining the household and so young adults were representing their elders on the streets that was very like peaceful and like non-problematic the government decided to turn it upside down and basically a lot of people died I was like on top of it as it was happening I think I was like maybe in like my ring quarter of college sophomore year or something like that and I just remember like talking on the phone with my mom being like is everything okay how are you she's like I haven't gone out in weeks we literally bought everything that we needed we've been inside we're really Mm -hmm. scared and maybe that was like the first time that I got this like gut-wrenching feeling that I was like wow I'm I'm so lucky to be here and I feel so bad about it Mm -hmm. and at the same time feeling this like sense of like well if I was there what could I possibly do this like problem is so much bigger than I could ever in one person like do something about and that like all really like terrified me but I kept checking in and I was like okay is everything okay she'd be like yeah now I'm just looking out for your uncles they're all out on the street protesting Mm -hmm. too I think they're gonna leave soon and I just like as much as I didn't want to make it about myself I was like how can I be of help like that that's kind of like always what I think about in any situation I'm like okay how can I solve this problem and I couldn't I couldn't be there for them I couldn't put myself in danger because I think too, there's this element of like, when you're a woman in a Latin family, like there's a lot of emphasis on keeping yourself intact in more than one way, but in that like, you're never supposed to like put yourself in dangerous way. And like, I just remember like, especially like 2019, 2020, like I was getting really passionate about issues that surrounded other people too, like Black Lives Matter. I was like, 
what's going on what what's like not what's not getting into people's heads and I really wanted to be out there and support in the ways that like I knew I could I was lucky enough to be in a country where I felt like if I went on the streets and I marched nothing was going to happen to me mm-hmm. and yeah my family was like no never don't do it not your problem I'm like but it is like these things are all related and if you don't stand up for me like that doesn't mean that I'm not going to stand up for you and if we all just had that mentality we'd get problems a lot faster and so long story short that 2018 sort of like sparked me do I need to hold myself accountable for the ways in which I can be of help but I need to be more outspoken and then because I, I was in the middle of school during all of this everything sort of like turned completely and everything I was making or talking about or writing about always related back. And I think like often in these like academic environments, professors aren't very like considerate of the fact that like when you're a first gen college student, sometimes the things that you're worried about have nothing to do with you. Like it's not just like your normal like social anxiety or class anxiety or homework anxiety. It's like you're anxious that you won't be the person that your family wanted you to be. Yes. And that's like something that like <laughs> sometimes they can't grapple with and being in these environments that like are often like majority white, majority rich. Like I found myself working like minimum wage jobs in college and not being able to like really embrace like what the experience was like and yet like feeling really guilty about it. And I was like, no, like this is just like my unique experience with it. But anyway, back to the sun and everything. I went the following year in 2019 when I felt like things were maybe a little bit cooled off although I would say like from visual account that like I don't I don't think it has like things are just waiting to boil over again Mm -hmm. things calm down and then they don't and what breaks the camel's back is unclear but it always you feel that tension when you're there Mm -hmm. and that's like it's so interesting to navigate it from being here where I feel like it could be spoken about anything even like being able to have this conversation and not really worry about is this going to come back to me in a negative way and then being over there and being like you literally can't talk about these things you can't say anything because then you and your family are in danger which is why I won't mention names I won't say any of that but it's really scary and so I went back on like kind of like two premises I was like okay one I'm like seeing my parents for the first time again in eight years and that was like its own thing (laughs) and I wanted to give myself like heart space to like accept that that was gonna be its own dynamic and that that was something I was gonna wrestle with getting there but then too I was like about sort of re-encountering a space that I let go of and that I hadn't been a part of in forever and I felt really like out of place and 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 reconciling with the ghost of who I used to be Mm -hmm. and that's a really awkward thing to do when you feel like almost immediately you step into like your native space and you step into the like corresponding customs that make you feel like less of the person that you are where you where you're somewhere when you're somewhere else like me being in California and like wearing what I wear and talking about what I talk about and like doing what I do like it's not the same as like when I'm in Nicaragua Mm -hmm. and so yeah to me that was like a trip like that was like based on emotions like I was like there like revisiting what I remembered and like trying to think of everything and so I took like a bajillion rolls of film with me and I wasn't like a I still am not great at taking film photos because I don't understand it but I love the aesthetic Mm -hmm. I value it I think like it helps me like start conversations with my family because that's perhaps like some of the materials that they understand Mm -hmm. because they live during that. Whereas like the digital age is like really overwhelming for them. And so I think like for me, like having my like film camera was like super important. And I think on like even like technical standpoint, like, or like just logistically, like I couldn't come in there with my $4,000 camera after a whole year of like really problematic issues going on. That was just asking to like put a target on my back. And so I think like, film camera is like very inconspicuous and easy and definitely like started conversations and it made me be more considerate about what Mm -hmm. I was capturing because I thought okay I only have 300 photos for this entire like two-week trip what's important and I got all my film back when I came back and it was really exciting and in the process I was like starting to be in like this directing class with my literal favorite professor from my entire experience 
she was just amazing super encouraging I remember I was like late to getting into her class and so we met in private and she was like tell me about yourself and I was like okay so I told her about how I'd just gone on this trip and that that was really exciting for me and she was like you have a story like why are you confused about what to make for my class and I was like oh because I've never made anything about Nicaragua before and she was like that's even more important that even makes it even more special that this is the time when you will so that felt like not only really encouraging but like really daunting Uh, but I was excited and I cannot even put into words just how special it was that somebody of that caliber like thought that my voice was important like Mm -hmm. it's different when your family and your friends are like yes you have something cool to talk about like you should do it blah 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 but when you, you take somebody from a space that typically like reduces you to just being a student and doing things as you should and only expanding on what professors have already made a point about Mm -hmm. it was really nice to get somebody on my team that day and have her be like no like it's your story that's important here and I'm gonna help you make it and not what I want you to make but what you want to make and so we talked about the film photographs and she was like make something like that I have a bajillion like film suggestions you can watch about the sort of structure that sort of uses film photographs as a part of like the moving image so because I was like yeah I didn't really vlog I didn't even take videos on my phone like nothing like that she was like yeah like just use film photos and I was like hey I I can try and then I found myself being like okay well I need something that moves (laughs) um (laughs) so I was like really digging and I was like looking up archival footage and like any like like old like Somoza era-esque like news segments stuff like on old NPR like things like that and I was like starting to put things together and long story short I like stayed in her class the entire quarter and then that following quarter she offered me like an independent study with her which just meant like really class credit for like talking to her and I was yes (laughs) yes yeah like I just want to like be in your presence I feel like you really uplift me and so we just spent a lot of time like working on the first six minutes and at the end of my independence study with her I was like I like how it's going but I feel like there's so much more I haven't said Mm. and it's just not enough time and not enough material the way I want it to be and she was like okay well what are you thinking and I was like I think I need to like go back I need to go back because like obviously when I went before I wasn't thinking about the specific format for things I didn't even know I was going to make something out of it I knew the film photographs were personal in the sense that everything had like significance to me but like you can't make a film well you can make a film that where the audience is you but perhaps this is an opportunity for me to like expand Mm -hmm. my view and not just like share things because it was therapeutic for me but because it was an opportunity to like represent and so once that was clear I was like yeah it can't just be like a little like journal entry like I make most films to be about it's like I want this to be tangible for anybody and it has to then center around something that's universal so for me it was about deciding that the politics of Nicaragua is so complicated I don't even understand Mm -hmm. and so that's not really what I'm trying to teach people or share with the world and I don't want to give more spotlight to something that's negative and so instead of focusing on sort of like these more universal topics like trauma and generational trauma maybe more specifically Mm -hmm. and what it's like to be somebody who's like rediscovering their identity what it's like to sort of piece things together since your childhood and like understand the bigger picture and so then once I understood that I knew I needed to go back and that was like what the last month was was I was there for seven weeks and I can't say I was like in my best behavior and on, uh, as far as like doing the work that I needed to do, but it was really important and that there was like a combination of both interesting things that were going on, both in a personal and political uh, perspective, and that it was an opportunity for me to share these pieces personally with people that I love. So like people like my brother were able to visit for the first time in 16 years with me and I was there like witnessing him seeing his parents again and like things like that and like how could I not want to include those things and these like themes of 
like love and reconciliation and, and sort of letting go of your attachment to to being right or I was just like so much or like learning how to like share that with my partner and being like he doesn't know anything about Nicaragua I feel super nervous I wonder what he's saying and he loves it and it was fun and and I was sharing a part of me that no one had ever seen before and it felt really scary and so I think of making this film in that sense and so I went in a huge circle but um, I love it For other filmmakers, I think to be really honest with you, especially in documentary filmmaking, you don't know the story until mm-hmm. until you know your subject and you don't know your subject until you're like standing in front of it. And so a lot of like you cannot plan for the story because it can't be planned for. And I both love and hate that. But it has taught me to like be somebody who's just good at listening and to just accept things as they are and like allow them to be good enough. I think I try to treat myself like a documentary film where it's like, well, I don't know what you're up to in the next like year or so, but I hope that you love it. And I hope that you wanted to do it and all these things. And so I think for those that are like kind of in a rut like me who have like a really interesting story and and they want to share it one I encourage you to follow through with it and and to encourage you to surround yourself with people that can remind you of that and to be kinder to yourself and give yourself credit so I feel like sometimes you can get into like a, a lot of negative self-talk and then we like don't follow through with the thing because all the only voice we're hearing is our saying no I think it's very brave and necessary to not listen to that no and say yes and to trust our instinct our voice and our story and you acted it's so true how you know in latinx families it is very traditional that as women we are they place us to be intact and unconsciously we make we take actions and decisions and we take paths that cause us to encase ourselves and, and become intact as you say and I feel you making the sun and everything is stepping out from that shell and saying no I am my own person I am my own woman I am Lily and you are taking back that power and that voice and it's, it's such a beautiful growth and a wonderful you know example of your love for yourself and your country and you know, I'm excited. I, I know you said, you know, air quotes, maybe next year, summer, but I have faith that, you know, it will. And again, no pressure. I think art cannot be pressured into creation. I think, like you said, it, it, there needs to be a moment where it flows. And if it flows, it, it's going to come out excellent. And I hope once it comes out here on AES, you can share and we can see it and we can talk about it and have more active conversation about these topics about trauma and generational trauma because it does affect our mental health but it affects those steps and decisions that we make right and really you know I feel like in the beginning of this conversation you know your introduction to film and media and to communicating these ideas in your head was with the example of seeing the signs if you were in you know not not a healthy relationship you know because of our family backgrounds as Latinas, there's a lot of that, even with our own parents, you know, emotional or mental uh, manipulation. Like there's a lot of signs that we are, we grow up thinking it's normal because that's how we see it and we experience it. And, you know, you breaking down these barriers and then realizing, oh, wait, I've accidentally placed myself in situations like this. And I think it's also very, an important topic to talk about and essential because we think we may never be that person to fall into these situations but that's when we're wrong because it's so easy to blindly go in and then once we're in it's like oh wait how do I get out and especially women are being taken advantage for their creativity for their art for their voice for their work for their beauty for their body for everything And, you know, for our listeners who may have been thinking, you know, I'm never going to fall into this situation. I'm never going to be that person. And then they find themselves in this situation. What can you say in terms of how you've been able to be aware of those signals and also surround yourself with people, like you said, that are actively pushing you to grow and be a better version of yourself and not pull you down? Yeah, it's definitely, I 
I thought of myself as somebody who would never be in those situations, that I would never let somebody take advantage of me, that it would only be somebody I didn't know or, you know, and I think like a lot of women experience varying levels of that and like literally one out of five women experience some sort of abuse and it's just like I think in terms of protecting yourself from this it's like no recognizing that it is never your fault and there's always the person who did it to you which in itself is always scary because it's always like you always try to think about it and like I could have done something differently mm-hmm. kind of way and as much as that could be true that also that doesn't change that the other person would have still done it and so on whatever realm that whoever's listening is thinking about abuse or either of power of self or artists or anything is uh knowing that probably the best tool you could ever have is and the thing that those kinds of people will try to take away from you is to surround yourself with good people that will call you out when you're doing something that's wrong and being the kind of person that's willing to accept when you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I find myself being the friend that is really hard on others. Like, I think I love you and you know I love you when I'm being really hard on you about something because that's how I love to be loved. Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, sometimes I want people to be really gentle with me and it just depends on who it is. But I like honesty and I want you to be real and so when I'm like hey you could do this or you could do that or they tell me that those are the relationships I keep in my life the most yes and I think when you're like in situations where you're not talking about these experiences to the people that you trust you find yourself making excuses for it you never feel good coming out of those environments then you know it's wrong and there's some excuse that you're making to like tell yourself that it, that it's okay that it's happening to you, that it's okay that you're in this situation, that you've allowed it to be that case. But you need other voices to tell you that that's not true. And um, people that you trust and that you know have never like stirred you the wrong way. I think I feel the most like empathetic for, for people who don't have good friendships or good environments like like family relationships I think particularly like parent stuff for me is like a really kind of delicate topic even now where like people will complain that they have parents that are really like snoopy and that they want to just like know everything that's going on in their life I'm like that's a good thing like you you probably want to be open with them they're looking out for you and then I find like the irony and of it in it when like my brothers are telling me their opinions on things I'm doing in my life I'm like no I'm an adult (laughs) But like, honestly, these are, these are good things that can happen. And it's good to have people that like worry about you. It's so true, Lily. And, you know, I don't want to end this conversation on real and, but also very tragic thing that happens to us, but also I want to, you know, go deeper on you. I know you said that you view your life as a documentary you don't know exactly what will happen you know you just trust yourself but I I'm really you know curious and maybe not saying specific things but what can we expect where you will be in terms of like emotions and your growth of who you are and maybe melding these two Hannah Montana and Lily together and how I'm hoping that will relate more into more work not only for the sun and everything, but for other things. Yeah, totally. Like I said at the beginning of the interview that it's often difficult for me to like separate my literal, like tangible accomplishments Mm -hmm. to who I am. But I do like mark the future by those things. And Mm -hmm. I often like sort of plan ahead. Like I literally probably have the rest of the year planned out because I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And that's going to take this amount of time. And so, I I mean, I don't know what the future holds. I hope that I can be in a place that's really like balanced and that I feel, you know, loved and appreciated, that I've 
like learn to be accountable and to hold others accountable, that I allow less disrespect, that I protect myself and others, that I advocate for others, that I'm an example of the things that I wish other people hadn't done to me. Those are like the big themes, I think, like on an artistic level. Just hoping like as the years go on, I surround myself around people that most closely like relate to my aspirations and that we can like do good work and that I can feel like my my work is going away more and more from what I think people like and more towards what I think is really important and should have its own like place in like history and politics and the world as we know it and I just hope like I die knowing that like I did something with my time and that coming from a long lineage of like activists and people who like really like literally died for a cause I want to like find my own like pace in that and like as a woman like knowing that like because I have to like protect myself because in some ways like other people won't protect me and then also like finding ways of making sacrifices for others and so it's always that that's like the dilemma at the end of the day. Lily, to end this conversation, you know, knowing what you know now, went through the achievements, the accomplishments, the experiences, you know, the trauma, the tears, the growth. But if you had the opportunity to go back in time and meet Lily, young Lily at any age, what would you tell her knowing what you know now? I've thought about that a lot. And I've actually like, actually had conversations with myself where I try to like inner heal my like child but man why are you gonna make me cry <laughs> I would just tell her I'm, mm. <laughs> I would tell her I'm really proud of her that I know she probably feels really alone and that she doesn't know what she's gonna do and I can tell her that I don't know if that'll change but it goes away and it doesn't feel as frequent anymore and that but I think she has a lot of value and not in what she does but like who she is and the perspective that she brings to the world and I would tell myself that now too yeah yeah I think like everybody should know that about themselves and that it's totally worth like thinking back to like I think like one of like the big like bad advices I've gotten in life is like to not look back and I think that that's like kind of silly because it's like well, but like, if you don't ever like sit down and think about what you did before, how are you going to know like how to fix your future mistakes mm-hmm. or like notice patterns or like anything? Mm-hmm. And like, for me, like looking back is like very like enriching. Like I always learn something new about myself and I, I try not to do it in like a, in a way that's like redactive to my growth, but something that's like conducive for growth yeah. and it's all like really helpful and yeah, I just, I, I love that kid I was. I miss being a kid and like not having to think about things that are hard. Mm-hmm. But I learned so much from the person I used to be because if I've lost anything from that version of me is that like fierceness to like really go for things without apologizing. So I'm learning to apologize less for the space that I take up and nobody should have to apologize for the space they take up. I think I should give myself credit and say that like everything that I'm going to make is going to be great and for me and hopefully it resonates with others. And I feel like you're going there, taking that fierceness and stepping out and stepping into that powerful little girl that you were and now becoming the adult that you are with the work and the value you are, who you are as a person. And you know, I just want to say that you are valuable, that you are wonderful, you're a beautiful human being inside and out. And I'm, it's an honor, an honor to have you here to share your story, your work with us, your story and your voice. And I can say gracias. Thank you for allowing me to talk with you today for being here on Ellas and giving voice to us and giving voice, especially to Nicaraguenses. And Lily, for our listeners who want to learn more about you, learn more about Nicaragua, learn more about taking that voice back and identity, maybe they have more questions, they want to go into film or photography, modeling, documentary, where can they follow you? The number one place to reach me is Instagram. I'm always on my phone and I'm a DMOA, literally. I would love to help anybody who feels like they're sort of 
anywhere in the realm of the same boat as I am because believe it or not it's always very like encouraging to know that there are other people that are like striving for the same and I don't like that like competitive mentality like I think everybody has like a very unique perspective and if I can help allow for more perspectives in the world and less of what we already know I think we're in the wind. So yeah, feel free to reach me at self by Soleil, anything like Instagram, Gmail, all of that good stuff. I would love to hear from people. And thank you, Brenda, so much for creating an opportunity for me to talk. I didn't mean to call you out on like... Oh, no, but I, I, mean, I mean it in like in a very loving way, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I was just like, I was just like, oh, you know, like I've listened to some episodes. Yeah. No, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think like it, it's a great opportunity for us to meet. I didn't realize you were like so close by to me. I hope we yeah. like hang out in real life and yes. and all this good stuff because like relationships like this are um, really like feed my soul and I think keep me being the amazing woman that I am because like I am surrounded by amazing women. So mm-hmm. that's super important to me. Oh, likewise. Seriously, I hope we can go to a Nicaraguan state restaurant because I just you sharing with our pre-call before this I was just like oh you made me so hungry like I was like I'm so ready and just yes I feel like I think I've I've always been surrounded by powerful amazing inspiring women and but ever since AS I've just been more amazed and I feel like I've learned and grown so much with each guest and of course open to hanging out in real life and you know just learning more and just supporting you like this is not only AGS, but myself are here for you. And thank you. Like to our listeners, seriously, go follow Lily, go email her, ask her any questions. She is open. She made that invitation and support, you know, not just listen to this episode, but actively support her. And, you know, for us, if you want to take that step forward and continue supporting us, you can go and visit our website at as-media.com where you will find a blog of this episode and more links for you to go and support Lily's work. Also, if you want to be a guest here on AGAS at agasthepodcast.gmail.com. And again, Lily, gracias. This was amazing. I loved it. And seriously, I we need to do a part two once the sun and everything is out. Definitely have you know a blog once the show is out too, because we need to take more steps into supporting one another, be more collaborative and I agree. There's no need for competition. I think the competition, the only competition we have is with ourselves to be better, to provide a better work, provide better art, provide better just things for our community and to help us grow. So gracias again, Nimi. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure too. And I'll see you in two weeks. Adios. Ellas is an Ellas Media production created, hosted, and executive produced by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Our video conversations are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shiro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, or follow him on Instagram. This is AS Media.